Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of Turner Years. I'm your host Paul and I'm here with a man who was named the Wrestling Podcaster of the Year by My Weekly, as voted for by his mum, this is Dave. Hey Dave, how you doing? I'm good Paul, how are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, having this microphone set up to do a singular podcast is very strange because I come back and I'm like, so what settings did what? Because I'm not a, I'm not an audio engineer. Uh, you know, it takes us about 20 minutes every time and you're like, well, can't you just leave them? I'm like, well, because I, I fiddle with things. Yeah, well, I'm well aware about you fiddling with things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now, Dave, this is a family show, possibly, who knows? So we are here to discuss Clash of the Champions 9, New York Knockout. We are, indeed. Which uh, I've been looking forward to a great deal. It features a legendary match as its main events, but we'll get to that sooner rather than later. So, New York Knockout. Do you have the attendance figures? I do, just let me pull them up here. So, it's the Houston Fieldhouse in Troy, New York. Troy, New York. So, not a big area of New York that I understand. Uh, 4,000 in attendance. 4,000. 4,000 in attendance, so not Not massive. a massive group then, no. And it did a 4.9 rating on TBS. The crowd were rowdy as well. Yeah, it's always good, it's always good to have a hot crowd. Now, the last time we were in New York for this podcast, we were further down in the state. We were actually in New York City, essentially. Is this the opening episode of the podcast? Our opening, yeah. Remember the crowd? Not great. Not great. This crowd are a lot more thingy. They're on the... Just outside of Albany is Troy, and not far away is the border for Vermont as well. I was going to say, Albany's near Canada. Yeah, so you've got a lot more kind of reach... Potentially, probably more wrestling than sports entertainment fans. Which yeah, it's pretty cool, and you can tell it. Yeah, it's a good crowd, not a great crowd. I still really think Guts and Glory are my favourite crowd that we've seen so far. Even if it was just like drunken army people, but like, they're a good crowd. Certainly better than you know Bunkhouse Stampede and all that other stuff. So yeah, this event was a weird one for me. I don't know why. It feels like the culmination of things they shouldn't be culminating yet. Yeah, they're wrapping up the Funk and Flair storyline. Yeah. And the Dudes and the Midnight Express, which we've not seen that much of in terms of the big shows. It was more It was more TV. It was a lot of TV time given to it. I believe so. TV is becoming increasingly harder to get hold of and things, and it's very strange to watch. So, what date is this? It's November. Has- so, November. So, about a month before Starcade. About a month before Stargate, yes. That makes things very interesting. So it doesn't open with a rousing chorus of the National Anthem. No. So that's something that seems to have died off. Which, uh, I've got no problem with the National Anthem, but again, it's not something that we we do. So kind of pleased to see it gone, because it makes me feel a bit weird. Especially ours having changed so recently. True. So, (laughs) it's November 15th. So almost a month exactly Exactly. before Stargate. Before Stargate. So the opening contest. Well, before we get to the opening contest, ah. we have a promo. Well, we have a couple of promos. We have the promos for the two men taking part in the main event tonight. Yes. We have Terry Funk starting. Bit of a strange one, this. Because to me, Terry Funk, up until this point, has been quite the dastardly heel. But he's very much like, okay, Flair, I, I, I kind of respect you. It's very weird, because before then, it's been like a blood feud, and now it's just kind of, it's like they're trying to simmer it off. He says he's not after the title. He doesn't really care about the title. He's yeah. after Flair's pride. Which is a cool thing to do, but way to downplay the importance of your world title. 
and then we have Flair essentially coming out and saying this match is about pride and integrity as well. Like, yeah, they're both they're both being like, ah, it's the world belt, who cares? Which is really weird. They were quick interviews as well. They weren't well. They weren't really interviews. They were just cut. They were they were cutting interviews, but there was no interviewee. No, you know it wasn't like Tony Schiavone was stood next to them. Not that it would be Tony at this period, but it was very much a straight to camera, sort of like the old WWF ones you get in like superstars where it'd be their logo behind them and they'd just be cutting a crazy promo to the screen. Or the beginning of Survivor Series where they say what they're thankful for. Or the 30-man in the Royal Rumble claiming they're going to throw out 29 of the men because for some reason everyone in the Royal Rumble thinks they have to throw everyone out. Exactly. So, our opening match. Should we mention our commentators first? Yes, our commentators are... Jim Ross and Bob Cuddle. Yes. I love this team still. Yeah, I st- these, this is probably my favourite team. Like, for now, anyway. I know yeah. I know things are going to get different, things are going to get better, things are going to get worse. But I really like how seriously they take things. Like, I do love a good heel commenta- colour commentator, but I don't think it would work here because the company isn't over the top. We've had um, Michael Hayes trying to be a heel colour commentator, and to me it just doesn't work. He just comes across like this ca- cartoony person in a legitimate sport. And speaking of Michael P.S. Hayes, our opening match, the World Tag Team Champions, who aren't defending their titles in this match. Do you know why they're not defending their titles in this match? I don't. They haven't even got the titles with them. They've already lost the titles. In a, in a tape, uh, they taped TV before this, and they lost the titles during those TV tapings. I believe the Steiner brothers are World Tag Team Champions at this point, if you know everything involved. Right. So that's why they are World Tag Team Champions without the belts and without... But it's it's the fabulous Freebirds. Obviously really looking forward to this match then. Versus the Road Warriors. Actually, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, now I really am looking forward to this match. Because you and I were both under not fans of the fact that Michael Hayes seem to decide not to sell. The Road Warriors are going to make people sell. At least that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, um, me too, and... It it sort of doesn't. No, like, Hayes pops up from everything still. <laughs> yeah, he's like the Undertaker. His, his version of selling is, I'm on the mat for a couple of minutes and I'm begging off. Yeah. I went down and I hit the mat. Yeah. I'm not staying down there. Yeah. I'm getting up now. Like, and it's like... You want to be grateful Hawk doesn't lose his temper because he looks like he could tear your arms off. Very strange. I have already lost my temper with the Freebirds on it a few times on this podcast. This did not endear them to me at all. Just, you're no-selling the Road Warriors. What on earth do you think you're doing? I can't remember much more about this match because all I could do was notice that nobody was selling anything. For the Road Warriors, that's par for the course. It's what they do. For the Freebirds, it's becoming par for the course. And I'm just kind of like, why? Why? You'd be such good chicken shit heels. You'd be amazing. Like, oh, no, 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 don't touch me. Don't touch me. Oh, don't mess with my hair. Oh, don't... (laughs) But no, they're trying to be badasses. It's like, what are you doing? The thing is, they're playing the chicken shit heels still. But 
as soon as they get hit, they stand up. It's just kind of like, choose a lane here. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you can't do both. They'd be amazing chicken shit heels. They'd be amazing at begging off and that kind of stuff. And, you know, and they just don't do enough of it. No. There's not a lot to talk about in this match. I mean, that being said, <laughs> the roadies don't take, you know, it's the road warriors, so they ain't losing. No. There's a shoulder tackle from Animal from the middle rope. Yeah. Look- where Michael Hayes is missed by a mop, but still goes down. He doesn't stay down. <laughs> yeah. But he still goes down. Well the thing is, you know, you can you can be you can be brave and try and no sell some stuff, but don't make Animal or Hawk look like an idiot. Because they they won't care. And you said the Road Warriors are gonna win. They don't. But do they not? No. Hawk's animal's being beaten on. Yeah. Hawk Gets in the ring, the referee stops him. This keeps on happening. Oh, it's a DQ, isn't Hawk it? Hawk throws the referee out of the way, yeah, it's a gets dr- DQ. Sorry, it's, I, 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 I was under the, my memory plays tricks on me because I'm there going, of course they won. They, they're there at the end standing tall. Uh, my notes are somewhat incomplete because it just reads like, yeah, the fabulous Freebirds, oh goody. So yeah, the Freebirds win the match by DQ. Yeah. The Road Warriors have their out. It's not a good match. No, and it, it could be if they just bounce around for the roadies and cheat. Because they're not built like that. They're not built like the Road Warriors. They're not built by like the the Skyscrapers. They're not built like the Steiner Brothers. But they are acting like they they can take all of their stuff and not have a single reaction. But anyway, let's move on from this as quickly as we can. Yeah, we've got an interview segment next. Yes. Jim Ross interviews... Terry Funk and Gary Hart. Yeah. Again, why is Terry Funk cutting a babyface promo? Why is Gary Hart wearing a cardigan? Hey, I happen to think he looks rather spiffing. He looks more like a teacher than ever in that cardigan. <laughs> yeah, very strange. So Terry Funk basically says that he, he and Flair don't have... A lot in common, um, other than the fact that they both love wrestling. Yeah, and then Gary Hart basically says, you better you better win because you've got to stand up for Texas. Now, they are taking place in an I-quit match. I'm not sure how many how many I-quit matches have taken place before this because they're very quick to explain the rules and stuff when we get to the actual match. So I'm not sure if it's been a big thing. We've not seen one to date, so... No. Gary Hart comes across like he's almost bullying Terry yeah. Funk. He's like, you better win. You better win. you got to win for Texas and for me. Yeah, and for the JTEX Corporation. Very quick. I didn't get it. I don't get why Terry's not evil, if you know what I mean. I mean, I get why. I get what they're going to do, but it feels like they've took their foot off the gas. A bit too soon, maybe? Yeah. Should we go into the next segment, which is another actual segment rather than a match? Yeah. We have the awarding of a couple of trophies. This was great. Now, the trophies were awarded by Bill Apter. Good, of the... Pro Wrestling Illustrated. At this point, I think uh, he is. Yeah. And the one is for the fans' fav- most popular wrestler, which goes to Sting. Yeah. And then there's the wrestler of the decade. Which goes to Ric Flair. Which goes to Ric Flair. Now, these trophies reminded me of the trophy that... Bad News Brown won at WrestleMania 4 yeah. in the Battle Royal. And I looked at them and went, they've got a break soon. Yes. <laughs> but the thing this reminded me of was the Hogan-Andre angle, where Andre got a, a trophy for staying undefeated for a decade. And it was a, a nice trophy. 
and then Hulk Hogan got one for being WF champion and it was massive and dwarfed dwarfed Andre's and that was sort of the beginning of the, the tease of like oh Andre might be getting jealous of this like, and I thought well yeah okay but if anyone's going to get jealous it's like uh, okay Sting is the most popular but your wrestler of the decade if you're going to be that pet like yeah. it felt really weird yeah they these trophies looked almost identical Ugh. yeah and they look very similar to the trophy in WrestleMania 4 like I said is there a bloke up in the Tri-State District that makes weak wrestling trophies to be destroyed on a regular basis. Nah, they just went to Timpsons or whatever the um, whatever the equivalent was and go stick three of them on top of one another with a really weak bond. It's fine. Um, yeah, that's probably his cottage industry. Breakable trophies for wrestling angles. But we will get back to those trophies. We will. I will make one quick comment about Bill Apter here. He's obviously not used. Wait, I will have no disparagement of Bill Apter. If this is a negative comment, you can't say it. I don't know if it's negative per se. As more negative towards the makeup artist who got ah. hold of him. He looks like um, a made-up dummy, essentially. They've slapped so much makeup, makeup on, on him. him. Bill Apter's a, a lovely man who I've met a couple of times. But yeah, he. my favourite thing about him is how diminutive he is. He's a very small dude, so any wrestler next to him immediately looks like a giant. But yeah, I loved. I love when I used to used to bring in Bill Apter and Wrestling Observer and all, not um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and all that kind of thing. Because as much of as that that company magazine is a kayfabe magazine, to incorporate that into your actual like, yeah, it's it kind of gives it a bit of legitimacy because it's not the official WCW magazine, even if they have one right now. I'm not sure they do. It's none of that. It is just a wrestling magazine that everybody knows. I think it's cool. But yeah funny funny segment when you look at it and go oh here's here's what they're trying to do but i don't think it succeeds so you'd think two like segments in a row no match they're going to a match now no there's another segment we have a promo with woman i love woman this promo wasn't great no she basically goes on about how great doom are yeah and how she's got a surprise for rick steiner later in the night yeah the the epitome of i don't really have anything to say but I've got this time. Yeah, it felt almost 90s in the fact that they put in the most local top they could find. I can't say that I noticed, Dave. I was too busy, you know, listening to her. How dare you? No, no, she did look She did look supremely 80s. Yeah. It was a um, gorgeous woman. Yeah. No pun intended. Very, very confident in what she was saying. There was no, like, stuttering or, or any of that. It was just like, yeah, do my great. Yeah. And it's like, okay, of course you're going to say that, but what are you actually trying to say? Doom are great. So let's carry on with Doom here. W- woman presents the team of Doom to face Tommy Rich and Eddie Gilbert. Have they got their jazz music yet? Their saxophone entrance? I don't think so, no. Or is that next show? Their theme is a really cool piece of like saxophone music. I can't remember if they've got it yet or not. Uh, right, who, so sorry, I, I totally talked over. Who Who's the, the opponents? Uh, Tommy Rich and Eddie Gilbert. They've got a job as entrance. Oh, I was going to say, because I... They're in the ring already. We've seen we've seen them both. Yeah. We've even seen Eddie Gilbert be pushed a little bit. Yeah, and but you immediately know who's winning this match. So I'm gonna go back a bit and talk about woman again. Cool. Because her entrance here is really interesting. So they've been pushing her as the most powerful woman in wrestling. That's yep. her thing. Who's the most powerful man in wrestling at this point? In terms of their company at least. Flair, he's the world champion. Exactly. Her entrance mirrors Flair's entrance. That's cool. She comes down the stairs 
and she's met by men in tuxedos. I did not think of that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's just kind of like, that's genius. That, that's Flair booking, I think, as well. Probably. I think he's got a thing for women. I think Flair's quite taken with her, to be honest. There's, there's, there's certain things later in his career where it's like, oh, okay, all right. Because I think I think not only is you know not only can you see that she's attractive, but you, you immediately know that she gets it. She's obviously been working with Kevin, Kevin Sullivan for years as the fallen angel. Yeah, and I think she I think you can just see like oh this this woman gets it. Every time I say this woman, you know what I mean. Woman. Yeah, a woman gets it. So yeah, the entrance was just amazing due to that fact that they've gone. She's Flair, only female. I didn't even pick up on that. Well done, Dave. That's what I'm here for. What to correct my errors. So, this is a squash match. Yeah. It's not even a glorified squash match. No. There's a roll-up attempt quite early on by Eddie Gilbert on Doom 1, we'll say, because they never choose which Doom it's going to be. It's a, whoever is first is Doom 1. Yeah. So, I think it is Simmons is Doom 1 in this match, and it's a roll-up attempt, which Doom 1 immediately kicks out of. It's not as one count, it's a zero count. Yeah. I mean, to be fair... Tommy Rich, why is he here? He's a, he's a bit of an anachronism. He looks terrible. Yeah. This man's a former NWA World Champion. Yeah, but you look at pictures of him when he was NWA World Champion. He had a bit of meat on his bones. He looks like he's lost a lot of weight, but not in the right places. Yeah. Apparently, he's the, the epitome of too much too soon, and then he couldn't, he couldn't recover. Like he, once he lost the belt, it was just like, oh, what do I do now? And he just never got it back. Never got like the spark back. In certain areas of the country, he's massively over. I doubt that New York is one of them. And I've said since the first time we saw Eddie Gilbert, Eddie Gilbert should be a heel in my mind. He yep. always is. He always seems to be, like, any time I've heard about him, or, yeah. But, like you said, it's just a squash match. It's just Doom being awesome. And you, you're sitting there and being like, well, they're going to face the Steiner Rivers at some point, or the Legion of Doom, and that's going to be great. Did you spot what they used as their finisher for this match? No. Essentially, they use a version of the heart attack. Oh, Only yeah. from the middle rope, Doom 1 or 2, can't remember which now, dives and hits. For it's going to be Ron Simmons. It's going to be Doom 1, isn't it? It's going to be middle. Um, oh, right, Butch. But, Butch Rehad does, does, does a lot of middle rope stuff and top yeah. rope stuff. See, when you say stuff like, did you spot their finish? I was like, they didn't do a... Because ver- I, I came like, did somebody do a version of Doomsday Device or something just to be like, oh, look who we're going to go after? And I missed it. No, they did a heart attack, essentially. Jesus. I mean, the heart attack was bad enough, bad enough as it is, with Brett coming at you full steam. Can you imagine? Well, I've Doom jumping off a top rope, at, yeah, or middle rope. Yeah. Off your, yeah. Doom are great. Their tag division is great. It's got its problems. The problems are going to be dealt with later on. But the list of teams they've got is equal to the WWE of, of this period, I think. And WWE had a great tag division around... Well, a couple of years before this. The tag division at the, this time, what have we got? So, the Heart Foundation is still floating around. Heart Foundation. Bulldog's still knocking around? No. you got Demolition. Demos. Um, you've just lost the Brain Busters. Uh, you got the Powers Spoilers. of Pain. Or just about to lose the Brain Busters. Spoilers, Dave. <laughs> the Brain Busters don't stay with WWF forever. Spoilers! So, yeah. <laughs> Doom got over with this match. Yeah, Doom they, great. They need, but... The crowd were even... Happy to see Doom win. That that's the thing. It comes to a point, even the heel act, if they're just going to come out and destroy people, that's how Sid got over. That's how the Road Warriors got over. Yeah, but yeah, I love Doom. I think Doom are a great team. I think it's a great use of um, Ron Ron Simmons, who last time we saw him was a little green and was teaming with Eddie Gilbert. 
and Butch Reed, who I wasn't impressed with in his singles run. Nah. I think the sum, the combination is better than the sum of its parts. And I'm done. And he's a, <laughs> I can't disagree. Like, I really enjoyed this match considering how short it was. Yeah, considering it's not really a match. It's, <laughs> it's really just like, look how cool Doom are. So we move on now to a Louisville slugger section with Jim Cornette. Yeah, I love Jim Cornette. He's a great talker. This was terrible because he was terrible. Because him as a babyface is terrible. So he's interviewing the Steiner brothers yeah. and asking them about the move name. The crazy move that, that Scott, Scott does. And Scott comes out and says, we've been... Oh no, Scott Scott comes out and starts talking. And then Rick interrupts him. Like, I want to tell him, I want to tell him. It's like, oh Jesus. Now, every so often in this interview, you spot Rick make eye contact with Jim. And you just start to see the little creases form. I think they're ribbing each other at this point, trying probably, to probably. break each other up. Rick says that they watched a horror movie the other night yeah. and it was Frankenstein and all the villagers made a face and that's the same face everybody who gets hit with the Frankensteiner as it's now going to be called yeah. makes. That, I mean, that the Frankenstein is a cool move. I, yeah. It's not a hurricane runner. I mean, it is a hurricane runner but it's a running hurricane runner. The opponent's running towards you Yeah, and the man doing it is massive. You don't see anyone, you don't see anyone of that size do that today. The last person I saw do one similar was John Cena. Yes, I, yes. Back when people were booing him a lot, so he was changing up his moveset. Yeah, he didn't keep the Frankenstein. He just had to keep that springboard stunner thing that he 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 failed at ninety percent of the time. Yeah, it's a nothing segment. This. Yeah, um, there is a great line by Rick about a woman where um, he says, "Woman said that uh, all the men want it and can't have it," and he said something like, "I I've had it and I don't want it." Uh Something along those lines, but considering I'm beginning to really despise this this Rick Steiner kind of doofus character. You have Scott there saying his mother taught him he should never hit a lady, but woman isn't a lady. Scott's still not comfortable on microphone. Nah. Shall we move on to something even more uncomfortable then? Yeah, why not? It's a tag team match. We've got the Dynamic Dudes. No. Versus the Midnight Express. Yay! We actually see some skateboarding. Johnny skateboards down to the ring. Good for Johnny. How long have you been doing this? And you finally put a skateboard on the floor and stood in it for a second. I wouldn't call this skateboarding. He didn't do one ollie. He'd have got a terrible score on Tony Hawk for this. Don't call that skateboarding, Dave. Well, Shane's not even comfortable enough to do it, so... Okay, well done, John Laurinaitis. For riding a skateboard. We, they come out with Jim Cornette, who goes and sits in the neutral corner. He's not going to be in on either side, because his two teams are fighting... So the gimmick is that Jim Cornette has to pick a side. Yeah. Why? Jim Cornette has never fitted with the dudes. I don't understand where they came up with this idea. They could have put nearly any other manager with the dudes and it would have worked better. Teddy Long, oh, I'm going to guide your career and only the fans can see that like Teddy Long's a Weasley slime ball who's just using these guys. Woman, I'm really hot and you both fancy me so you're going to do as I say and nobody's going to know I'm manipulating you. Well, we've just had Missy Hyatt come and go, essentially. Missy Hyatt, that'd be great for her. Jim Cornette, the the uncool mama's boy heel manager, who, yes, has been working babyface, but he's working with one of the greatest teams in the world, so you don't mind because the team is exciting and athletic, so you cheer, is now trying to tutor the dynamic dudes. Do you feel like we've ragged on the dudes long enough in this podcast? No. When it comes to the final Nitro, 
I will still be going, well, it's better than Johnny and Shane. So the opening of the match, essentially, the Midnights don't get in the ring. They go to Jim in the corner and say, come, stand in our corner. You know that's where you belong, Jim. Yeah. You don't want to be with these guys. You want to be with us. We're the winners. And the crowd agree. <laughs> yes, and the crowd agree. This crowd are not as bad as the Philadelphia crowd, but it's very clear whose side they're on. They do not like the dudes. They'll tolerate the dudes and they'll be polite, but they don't like the dudes. Now, there's another story running that the commentators are trying to get going. Yeah. That Johnny Ace basically went out one night and pulled this girl that Stan Lane was after. Does anybody believe this? No. (laughs) To be fair, some of the stories you've heard about Johnny Ace lately and the fact that he was high up in All Japan Pro Wrestling because he was Mrs. Mrs. Barber's favourite wrestler and... The stories that the rumours that have abounded about the Bellas hiring, maybe is maybe he's got that patter. Maybe he can talk the talk. But as for walking the walk, we were talking about Frankenstein last segment. <laughs> Jesus, he looks. He does. He's not a good-looking dude. Nah, I don't get it. Apparently, he's very popular with women. Like I said, but is he as popular with women as Stan Lane? I could see. I could see girls going for Stan Lane. Yeah. I can't see anyone going for Johnny Ace. So that's the other story they're telling. They're trying to tell. Stan Lane's jealous of Johnny's way with the women. The thing is, again, they turned the announcers into shills for the dynamic dudes. And yes, announcers are supposed to shill the baby faces, but it's never ending. It's just look how cool they are, look how good they are. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Because I respect both these guys. You know, these guys are believable commentators. And then when they have to shill this stuff, it's bad because they don't come across as real. It's like when Jim, uh, it's like when Jim Ross commentates on some stuff in AEW. You can tell he hates it. Just don't have him commentate on it. Then you can tell the stuff he likes. You can tell he loves John Moxley. You can tell he loves John Moxley because he's there like, yes, John Moxley. Uh. It's like as soon as Orange Cassidy's out there, he's like, eh, no, 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 you know that would look a bit dumb. Why do you keep why do you keep people keep going to the top rope? Like he keep, he keeps his authenticity. Yeah, and here he doesn't. Despite all the putting down of the dudes have done this is the best match they've had we've seen oh the one where they're in the ring with one of the best tag teams in the world yeah it's their best match by far yeah um, people have said many times Ric Flair can have a match with a broom I'm reasonably sure Bobby Eaton could have a match with the bristles on the end of a broom you know what I mean that's how good he is so we've got the Midnight Express who have been baby faces for a while now yeah about a year or so oh now heels they're cheating pulling hair and Jim Cornette is telling the referee that they're cheating. Which is interesting for the storyline. Yeah. I get that. But as we'll see by the end of the match, it makes no sense. Yeah. If he was going directly to Stan or Bobby, it's like, why are you doing this? Like, Yeah. You guys should be friends. You don't need to do this. Yeah. You'd... So, should we go to the end of the match? Because there's not... There, there isn't a lot. Um, the dudes do do slightly better with their double team stuff. There aren't as many botches. Yeah, but that's Bobby and Stan. Yeah, Bobby and Stan basically get there when they're supposed to be a thing, and it's like, oh, they haven't quite made that. They they push forward to get themselves into a position. And I'm go back. I can go back to talking about how great the Midnight Express are. This is brilliant. But yeah, this this is the best match the dudes have, and it's not really on the dudes. Shane has a better time with it than he did last time we we, we saw them. Where I thought Shane had a terrible match. I wonder what will ever happen to that young man. <laughs> that young man who nobody liked cut my fucking music. <laughs> so the end of the match. We start off with an attempt at a rocket launcher by the Midnights. Yep. Johnny gets his knees up. Then we end up with all four men in the ring. The referee trying to get rid of Stan and Shane. Yeah. 
and Bobby pulls a chain from his tights and wraps it around his fist and Cornette comes into the ring and grabs the chain and the commentator say he throws it in the crowd. I think he threw it to the side of the ring personally. Yeah, if he threw it to the crowd, there'd have been trouble. Yeah, and he says, no, this isn't happening. Bobby storms off sad. John turns his back and Jim Cornette slugs him with the tennis racket. And the crowd go wild. (laughs) Yeah. Because this is the Midnight Express they want to see. Bobby gets the pin. One, One, two, two, three. At least he didn't kick out. That's the thing. At least he didn't kick kick out of a tennis racket shot. Nobody did back then, did they? No. But the way they're going on about the dudes all the time, it wouldn't have surprised me. I'd have been annoyed, but it wouldn't have surprised me. But yeah, the, this is the end of this experiment with Jim Cornette being in the dude's corner. Thank God they did not fit. Decent match. Not a good match. Decent. Yeah. Like, you said it's their best match, and it is. And it's still only decent. Oh, yeah. So we move on to another match now, which is so, nice. Yeah, well, we've had all the segments for the next two years, according to WCW. So we have the Super Destroyer, who is a man in a mask. I don't know who it is. Really? Did you not look look this up? It's Jack Victory. Did you not find out it was Jack Victory yet again? <laughs> I knew it was Jack Victory as soon as I saw him. Uh-huh. It's a man in a mask. It's Jack Victory. Wait, are you t- are you telling me Excalibur is Jack Victory? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when Mil Mascaris comes around, <laughs> like, oh. so yeah, Super Destroyer. As soon as you call him Man in the Mask, guys, like that's what William Regal calls Excalibur. Super Destroyer versus Doctor Death Steve Williams, who's a baby face and is acting more and more like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, he really is. You seen it the first time. I don't think so, Dave. And now I'm like, they're just ripping off Axel. And we have Norman the Lunatic, who they don't call a lunatic just, anymore. Just it's Norman. Just, just Norman. Dressed as Santa, handing out gifts at ringside. Oh, Yeah, no, it's creepy. <laughs> yes, it is. It's weird. I get it, but why did you bring this guy in to not wrestle? I thought he was all right. I thought the gimmick was, was you know, like you said, a bit, especially looking back on it with today's eyes, it was a bit off. But the guy's a decent worker, and yet he's just there doing the, the simpleton gimmick. When we've already got one. Yeah. We've already got... If they'd have transitioned Rick out of this, then... It would probably help Norman. Yeah. I almost said Eugene then, because it's... It's it's annoyingly close, isn't it? It is. So this is a simple-ish match. It's a squash. It's a squash. Super Destroyer gets an early advantage... And then Dr. Death takes over, does his military press thing again. Which will never, ever, ever not be impressive. Jack Victor is a big guy. He's got to be 300 plus pounds. Yeah. He's a tall guy as well. And it's like it's nothing. Yeah. You sit there and every time I see him now, I'm like, I can see why he was pushed to get to WWE to do the brawl for all of that. Because he would have come across like such a killer for Stone Cold to beat. It's just by then he was broken down. But yeah... He military presses Jack Victory, and I'm not talking like a sting military press where he just holds him over his head and then does a side slam. No. This is, I've got you up, and I'm going to do reps. And the crowd are going to count along. It's very impressive. Then does a little bit more beating, and then hits the Oklahoma Stampede, yep. the running power slam, and gets the free count. And then he gets up, raises his thumb in the air, and says, Ho. Oh. Well, I say says ho, he screams ho. I wonder I wonder if that's a thing. Like, I wonder if it's not a Hacksaw Jim Duggan thing or a Duxon. Steve Williams thing. I wonder if there's, like, a folk hero somewhere in, like, American history who did that. 
that they're a take-off of or something because it's weird to just be like, where did they come up with it? Well, they're both college football players from the same college. Ah, so that might have been, that might have been yeah, the big... They're oh. both from... Well, Glens Falls, New York was Hacksaw. He didn't end up in the same college. Oh, as... not the same college. Uh, they went to Finger, didn't they? They went the to Mid-South together. They were in Mid-South together. Yeah. And I know so, they were in the NFL. Well, yeah. at least Hacksaw was. I think he was a Ram. Uh, so, Doug Death. I think they said he was a Chief on a previous show. Ah. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what Hacksaw was. I'm, I've... Yeah. That might be Anvil, I'm thinking of. Yeah, but then potentially there's it's to do with college football or something yeah. that we don't know. It could just be they repeat each other off, or yeah. Like, but it's just kind of like. But it's Hacksaw's been doing it for a wee oh, yeah. while now. It's Hag- on the national stage. It's Hacksaw's thing. Yeah, and then Jim Hurd's coming, and the product's getting a lot more like WWF. Yes. And now the guy who looks like Hacksaw Jim Duggan is doing the same thing as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Minus the flagging bit of wood. Yes, I would I would love to see some hacksaw from Mid South because I don't particularly like Jim Duggan in WWE. I did as a kid, but every time I watch him now somebody pointed out he never loses and he brawls to the back a lot. And yes he does. <laughs> That's all he does. He never loses and he'll brawl to the back. He cheats to win all the time as well. No, I'm not so I'm not so down with that unless you're Hulk Hogan, in which case I'll just call you out on that. Yeah, so another squash match. Yep. And then after the victory Norman gets into the ring and hands a little teddy bear over to... Dr. Death, Dr. who would have apparently given him a teddy bear. A big teddy bear, yeah. Yeah, it's very cheesy. Yeah, it's it's cheesy. It's it's. You've got this killer who can lift 300-pound men and press them over his head multiple times. It's something, though, because he's not comfortable on the microphone unless he's being a heel. Nah. So maybe you just make him like, oh, he's a big dude, he's a scary dude, but he's nice. It's something. He's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You can't let this go, can you? No. <laughs> So we move on to a tag match. Yes, a tag match. We have the Skyscrapers versus yeah. the Steiner Brothers. Oh my God. Oh, oh wow. All I can remember, the, the, my main thing from this match is Scott Steiner doing those fall away moonsault slams. It's ridiculous. Guys the size of Sid and Dan Spivey, he gets them into the position that Scott Hall would get someone into for the fall away slam, or as he called it, the sack of shit. And just literally does a moonsault and lands on them. I don't see guys in the indies doing that at half the guy's size, and they're certainly not doing it to the size guys the size of Sid Vicious or Dan Spivey. And Scott is doing it easily on more than one occasion. It's ridiculous. Scott Steiner is the man. <laughs> Holla if you hear me. Both the Steiners look so impressive in this match. The way they pick up the skyscrapers and just throw them around. It's like, you're going there, I'm putting you there, just live with it. Yeah, and yeah, and they're safe, they're yeah. perfect, that's what I mean. It's not, I love the Road Warriors, but sometimes they are not safe. Sometimes it's like, I'm throwing you, and you better hope you don't land on your head. You better learn to tuck your chin. With with the Steiner Brothers, it's not like that. At least, I've seen some matches against Jobbers where it is like that with the Steiner Brothers, but this is just, you're going here, it'll be totally safe, your life is in my hands. It's cool, go with it. And if you're not going to go with it, we're making you go with it. But it's just raw, unbelievable power. We just talked about Dr. Death and how impressive that was. And this makes that look like an average day. But yeah, this match is history making because it is during this match that one of these body slams breaks Sid's ribs and they puncture his lung. Now, 
one skyscraper isn't much cop, so they go looking for another, and we'll meet them soon. I've got my notes here. Dan Spivey. He looks like an 80s villain, basically. He really a, a does. Henchman. He, looks like, he looks like the big henchman for an yeah. 80s movie. He's got... He looks like Steve Austin facially. If Steve Austin was just a bit wider in the face, he looks very much like Steve Austin. But he very much looks like he should speak with a Russian accent. There isn't much to say. There's no technical wrestling. It's just beating people up. Sid is over again. Yeah, Sid's over. The Steiners are over. Spivey isn't. Spivey, nobody cares. Spivey misses a dropkick. He's meant to hit Scott in the back with this dropkick. Yeah. So Scott goes forward and hits Sid, who's coming for a clothesline. Sid has to come forward for this clothesline because Scott's very confused as to what's just happened. When Sid is the better, the the most, when he's the better member of your team, as in where he's got to be in the ring, you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like Sid. Certainly more now. As I've got older, I've, I like Sid more. We see a Frankensteiner on Dan Spivey. Yeah. Which, which is, is impressive. Which is mental. And keep in mind, that's mainly Dan Spivey doing that. So I'm not I'm not having a right yeah. go at... It's what? It's 6'8", something like that? They say that. So he's probably around 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, but Scott, get, Scott and him go over. Oh, yeah. Don't it, get me wrong. It it's, looks perfect. It's half, it's, half, it's half Scott, but there's yeah. a lot of Dan Spivey having to do that flip at his size. is difficult. So I'm not having a complete go. I'm not, you know, Johnny acing Dan Spivey. I'm just saying nobody seems to care about him. But yeah, this is just a brutal fight. And it's about to get more brutal as people run in. So, woman promised a surprise for Rick Steiner. And here come Doom with woman. And woman takes off her shoe to hit Rick. Who uses a shoe? Rick no-sells the shoe, which is... The shoe should be... Shoes in 80s wrestling are devastating for some reason. I suppose they're all heels, aren't they? Like, not just people that use the shoes, but the actual shoe. So, we've got... Four on two situation, the skyscrapers and Doom beating down on the stoners, and it's time for a save. And here come the road warriors. And if you're gonna have people save you, be happy it's the roadies, because damn. So we now have eight huge men in the ring hitting each other. Yeah, yeah. If this had been the WF, Grilla Monsoon would have talked about how they reinforced the ring, because these are just huge guys. And woman is still in there, and. Then an even bigger guy comes down. Yes. Here he comes. I've been waiting for this a while because I've been looking forward to saying it. It's Sabretooth for everybody. Yes. <laughs> it is Tyler Maine, who here is called Nitron, I believe. He'll, he'll be known as Nitron. Oh, no. The, here they don't know his name. They don't know his name. He's this giant man who's come down to save woman. Yeah, but it, from, from two, is it 2000? 2001's X-Men? It's, yeah, it's... Is it that late? Yes. Yeah, it's after Blade and that. Uh, 99, 98. Yeah, so it's the first X-Men movie. Yeah, but the first and second. Uh, yeah, the guy who plays Sabretooth. The worst Sabretooth. Well, how many... No, sorry, sorry. Is uh, Well, Origins is awful, just as a movie. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, I can't remember his name, he's a better actor, but, yeah. like, you're not going to beat the, the Sabretooth from the cartoon. No. Who's got a quite famous voice actor I can't think of the name of. Ah, oh, never mind. It but, wasn't Mark Hamill, I know that much. Yeah, if I, it was Mark Hamill, but Mark, you'd hear it, it'd be the Joker. So, yeah, Sabretooth comes down for the save, gets woman out of there. The commentators say, look at the size of that man. He's seven foot tall. They say around seven feet. He's yeah. around he's seven. Got, he's got to be close to seven foot tall. That's what, that's what mm. Bob Cardle says. So, yeah, the heels powder, and we're left with the baby faces in the ring, and they do a promo about the next show. The Legion of Doom talking about how they respect... The Steiners, 
because the Steiners grew up on the mean streets of Detroit and they grew up on the mean streets of Chicago and they all know what it's like to fight and there's going to be a, an is it, they call it the Iron Man tournament? They're, yeah, they're going to be in the Iron Man tournament tag division because yeah. there's a singles division coming up at the next show as well and it's going to be the Road Warriors, the Steiners, the Team of Doom and the Skyscrapers, the skyscrapers and they're going to go in a round robin Yes, when I heard this, I was like, oh, cool, I love Ram Robin tournaments. So, we'll see how that goes at the next show. Like, yes. which exciting is Exciting de- stuff. Which is the December show, which is Starcade. I thought that was a pretty good promo. Should, should we move on to the next match? Yeah, there's not really much more to say about no, it. It's... Scott is still the worst on the microphone out of the four of them. And the Road Warriors have their promo. <laughs> yeah, and their promo is always fun. Yeah. So, the next match, I like this match. I really enjoyed this match. We have Lex Luger versus Flying Brian. Yeah, this is a good match. They had they had one last time we watched the show that I thought was very good. I don't think this one matches that, but it comes close. So before this match starts, we get told about the singles Iron Man tournament for the next show and who the competitors are going to be. One of them is in this match, Lex Luger, and then it's also Sting, the Great Muta, and Ric Flair. That should be awesome. That should be amazing. Starcade and his two tournaments. Two tournaments. Two round robin tournaments. Weird thing to do for their final show of the year. Their big, what many people call their WrestleMania. But great competitors, all of them. The problem is doing that and then putting Lex Luger straight into the ring. You kind of go, well, I wonder who's winning this then. If they'd have said this match was a qualifying match to enter the Iron Man tournament at Starcade, then you could be like, okay, cool. Or this match is for the US title, isn't it? Yeah. If they said the US champion will be in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. As it was, this kind of gave the result away to me. It does a bit, yes. So we have Flying Brian doing his usual good leapfrogs, beautiful drop kicks, living up to his name. Yeah, he's very, for his time, he's extremely high flying. For his time, he's extremely high flying. And his knife edge chops are really good. They're all right. Oh, in this match, I think it might be the fact that Luger's chest is so hard and chiselled. He's in a company with Ric Flair, so so maybe maybe I'm downplaying them. Like, you know what I mean? Mm, Yeah, but Flair loves Pillman, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. This is a good match. Quite similar to their last match. Yeah. They have um, Pillman working the arm, though, at this point. And he gets Luger's arm and strips the ring post of some padding it's got on it. To wrap Luger's arm around the post. To me, that should be a disqualification. Yeah, it's a heel move. Yeah. It's a heel move. The crowd love Luger. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Really weird. Because he's being desperately pushed as a, as a bad guy. And the crowd, everything he does, they cheer. Well, look at him. Look at Lex Luger. Look, at, they're in New York. New York, home of WWF, which is the home of the big guy. And Luger is a big guy. Luger's, Luger's the big... Well, he, He's not the biggest guy we've seen tonight, no. but he's the most cut guy. He's the most defined guy. Like he, he's like a an anatomy board at this point, where he's like, here's every muscle in the human body, and I can point at it on this person. But again, like last time, Luger, like holds up his end of it. Still shocked me. And even though the crowd are cheering him, he doesn't waver from his heel ways. No, he sticks to it. So there's a ref bump. And Pillman goes for a roll-up and no ref to count. Shock horror. So he goes to wake up the ref. Luger slips out the ring and gets a chair. And when Pillman goes to get Luger from behind, Luger smacks him with the chair and then comes in and pins him. Yeah. 
and it's a one, two, three, and Luger retains his title, and then wails on Pillman until Sting comes out to save him. Sting comes out and he cuts a great promo in which he says that you know people are always warning me what a snuphead you really are, and now I believe him. What a great insult, Sting calling Luger a snothead. Sting basically, it's really weird because Luger basically says, it's about time you faced me. Yeah. And then Sting like strips his shirt, shirt off. off and goes, oh, come on then. And then Luger Luke. goes, ah, no, actually, uh, no, nah, you could probably kick my ass. I'll leave. No, I'm not fine you now. Like, <laughs> why would I do that? <laughs> basically challenges him to a fight. He goes, yeah. And then he's like, nah. <laughs> this aligns Pillman with Sting as well. It should do, in my mind. Because if you want to, if you want to get Pillman over, align him with Sting, who is the man. He's the most popular wrestler. Yeah, they've just, just won an award for it. So we'll move on. Yeah, it was quite a long match. It wasn't. Yeah, it was probably the longest match we've seen so far tonight. I do feel we've kind of given it a bit of a short. The thing is, we we talked about the last match for quite some time. It's quite similar. Yes. <laughs> It's very much, it's a good match because they both work well together and they know what they're doing. Yeah. Luger uses power moves. Pillman is a high a flyer. flyer. Yeah. Simple it's, as. Whenever I see this, this type of match, I'm always like, Dave's going to love this. This is Dave's kind of wrestling. Yeah. Little man working from underneath. Right? Yeah. You, you're you a sucker for that. I am. I really am. So we move on to a promo. The last promo, well, not the last promo of the night, is it? Is it? The, it may well be the last promo of the night. There's a bit of chat, but no actual yeah. promos. And we talked about the Royal Rumble promo where it's 29 other men, WrestleMania, etc. Yeah. This is a flair promo and a standard Woo. to be the man. Yeah. <laughs> Considering the reputation Flair has as one of the greatest promos ever, he's certainly got his marks that he just hits every now and then. Where he's yeah. like, I'll give I'll give him the, the C promo. Like He can cut an amazing promo, but when he can't be asked, he's like, uh, women I'll, uh, I'll give him Space, space Mountain, mountain. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, today and it's good don't get me wrong is the promo it's still good but it's like yeah Flair you, you've got your power like that's how it goes yeah I'm watching early Ruthless Aggression late attitude wrestling as a side project I pity you sir and I've heard this don't promo. say a, don't say a side project I think you've got another podcast coming out you mean on your own time? Are you uh, on my own time? Don't look at me like that. I'm not watching. The, I'm not watching the ruthless, ruthless aggression era. What we're going to do something when the ten years end? <laughs> We've already decided what that will be, possibly, but we're not. We're not going to announce that like ten episodes into the like sixteen episodes into like, like three hundred. Uh, so, as something else to watch, I watch ruthless aggression, and Flair gives the to be a man promo more than once in there. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. He's no. good at it. It's just. His reputation speaks as though he'd come up with crazy stuff on the top of his head. It's like, nah, he's got his four or five things he says. He has the crazy things, and then he'll always lead into one of his bigger lines. What, yeah, what the story is. Yeah. So, we're going into the main event. Another match I absolutely loved. Yes. Oh, there's um, nothing bad about this match. I'll say this. This has had some... This The opening of this, this event was bad. Yeah. As soon as you got past the Midnight's and the dynamic dudes everything's been great it's not been a lot but like the opening couple of matches I was like why is this here and it's it's improved it's it's built to a P and yeah this is the I quit match for the world heavyweight title for the world's heavyweight title between Ric Flair and Terry Funk so the rules of an I quit match in case you've never seen one if you've never seen one watch this one and don't watch any more they are all bad apart from this one so, tell me I'm wrong tell me a good one 
I'm not keen on. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Mankind versus The Rock. Bad a screwy ending. Yeah, screwy ending, and 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 Foley got his brain scrambled like egg. Yes, it's not it's not a good idea. No, um, there's a there's the terrible one with Bob Backlund and Bret Hart, one of the WrestleManias, with Roddy Piper a special guest referee, where every two seconds Roddy Piper like docks his head in and goes, "So what do you say?" <laughs> it's like we're not even doing it. We're halfway through doing a move, Roddy piss off. But this is the best I quit match I think I've ever seen. So, the idea of the I quit match, the only way to win the match is to make your opponent actually say, I quit. Yeah, well, there's a, there's, a, there's a nice mess up here. The wireless mic not working. Well, there's that. And one of the spots, Funk is stood over Flair and he's gone, say it, say I quit. And I'm like, you just said it. You see, the match should be over. <laughs> yeah, so I'll say that. So they've got a wireless mic, so the referee can go around with them. The wireless mic doesn't work to start with, so they hand him the wired mic and he's tracking it around the ring. Yeah. But that was well covered, and the tech guy was down there really quickly. Yeah, usually it's like, oh, it's been a mistake. Let's see if it figures out. Did you spot what happened just before the tech guy comes down to ringside to fix the mic? No. Gary Hart goes to the announcer's table. And he's like, he's telling them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair. And Bob Coddle is very quiet for about a minute there. So he's obviously switched channels to... Didn't even notice that, Dave. Well done. Talk to someone and go like, yeah, they need help down here. But yeah, they get the mic sorted and this match is brutal without any blood. Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, we can't... We, they can't have blood. They're not allowed blood because it's on TBS. It's a brawl. Yeah. With occasional wrestling moves in it. It's like a brawl that will just... They'll, then they'll slap on a hole to try and get someone to quit. Now, I saw a slight fib earlier. I said this was... The previous promo was the last promo. There are promos during this match by Terry Funk. Oh, yeah. I injured your neck, Blair. Don't think about your neck. <laughs> don't. I broke your neck. Don't forget. Don't Don't make me do it again. I don't want to, uh, you know, I could do it again. Think about your family. It's great. Was the pile driver on the concrete painful to watch for you? Because it was so bad, because Flair's arms are at full extent, extension throughout the entire thing, uh, I get you want to be safe. Yeah. But uh, just don't do it. Because it didn't look... It looked like Flair to the gamble while, while Funk was holding his leg. Holding his body, yeah. if you know what I mean. That is the only thing in this where I was like, hey, that wasn't needed. But they go in and out of the ring quite a lot. Yep. There's a table used the wrong way round. Yep. And that, I was worried for Terry's... Terry then be hit right in the middle. With the... Terry doesn't... The thing is, I get, I honestly get the impression... If Terry had had a massive fuck up and like broken his leg, he'd be like, "Well, got to work around this now," or some stupid thing like. Because he just doesn't seem. I buy everything Terry Funk does. You genuinely believe he's a nutter? He's a nutcase. <laughs> he might be the nicest nutcase in the world. Once again, I'll give it another. I'll give it another plug. More than just hardcore. Yeah, it's his autobiography and it's great. Even knowing everything about him that I know. He comes across like he's absolutely insane, and I love it. And Flair's like, when, when Flair is playing second fiddle to you, you know, like you got something. You know what I mean? You know that you are cooking because it's just brutal. Like his punches look good. Flair chopping him ridiculous amounts. The pole driver didn't look didn't look great, but the idea is there. Yeah. Like as you say, the the constant promos of. I, don't, I hurt your neck. I'm, I'm going to beat you. You better say it. Say it or I'm going to really hurt you. Like, Flair didn't really get much of that when he was on offence. No. 
the referee tended to be the one holding the mic yeah. at that point. But like Funk would be cutting promos on, like The Rock would do in some of his matches. Obviously, he's not singing or or that kind of thing. But he's literally saying, "I'm I'm going to break your neck again." Yeah, he's hitting him with the microphone. Yeah, and the thing, the hilarious thing is, this is why I think it might be the first uh, I Quit match, is uh, at least the first one that we've seen. It's Jim Ross. is like, he can't do that. He's like, have you seen what else they've done, Jim? I mean, come on. The mic shouldn't be used as a weapon. It's like, you pulled over him on the outside. What are you talking about? Can... The only issue with that was the mic wasn't working at the time, so you didn't get the nice Boom. sound. Boom. Which is probably what pissed off Terry Funk. You got some sound. You got some, because <laughs> he hit him with a microphone. Yeah, exactly. You got the thwack of, like, ow. So it's wild, bro. Yeah. The thing is, we could... calling spots in this would be difficult. Yeah, it's just punch, punch, chop, kick, punch, pile driver, choke, choke, lala choking. Yeah, which it's a fight would make it very difficult for someone to say I quit because their vocal cords would be damaged. <laughs> oh, that'd be a great spot. Like I couldn't say it. So they, they, like if you went to if you went to write someone for an injury, like have them injure their throat so they can't say I quit and just have the guy be like, why isn't he saying it? <laughs> <laughs> you broke my legs. So at the end of the match, we go to Flair getting the figure four leg lock on. And again, Funk is amazing. Ah, oh God. Oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, yes, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, oh, ah. You're breaking. Okay, fire. You're breaking my, ah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes for about half a minute just <laughs> screaming and not cursing at all. He curse. He just comes across like, I'm not a coward. Yeah. But this is really painful. And, and Flair is doing his little twitches and stuff to make it yeah. look more... You're going to break my... Ah, ah, fine, yes, I quit. <laughs> yeah, it's great. He's brilliant. I haven't talked Flair up enough during this match. But it's because he just gets overshadowed. He just really does. So we missed something at the beginning of the podcast when we talked about Funk's promo, I think. We missed the fact that Funk said if he lost this match, he'd shake Flair's hand. I believe we've been saying that on TV in the run-up as well. Yeah. Is that, so we get to the end of the match. Flair stands up, holds his hand out, and says, shake it. Yeah, you better shake my hand, least. Yeah. And then Gary Hart is like, he's not going to do that. And then Funk's like, of course I'm going to do that. I, I said I'm going to do that. I promised the people I'd do that. So now I'm going to shake his hand. And then Gary Hart gets pissed off and tries to get in Funk's face. Funk shoves him. Funk shakes Flair's hand. They separate. They don't do the whole hug or the... No. Raising of the hand or any of that. No, it's just, just a symbol like honouring my agreement. I, I, I'm honouring what I said I was going to do. I, I, I begrudgingly respect you even though I kind of hate you. <laughs> and then Funk gets beaten down by Gary Hart. Yeah. And Flair comes in. Smacks Gary Hart. So. Yep. And then Mr. J, who is now the Dragon Master, yeah. and Muta enter the ring and start kicking the crap out of Funk and yeah. Flair with Gary Hart's help. So we need a save. We need someone to save the day. It's a man called Sting. So Sting's still having his issues with Muta at this point. Yeah. So it makes sense for Sting to come down and stop Muta beating up Flair, who's been on good terms with late. Yeah. And they make the fight back. Muta gets put in the Scorpion Deathlock. And here comes... Well, Flair puts the figure four on the Dragon Master as well. And here comes... Lex Luger. This is great because yeah. you've got all, you've got every man involved in that round robin tournament in your closing angle because the beatdown continues. Obviously, Luger breaks everything up. Yeah, and then Sting basically makes a comeback. Luger retreats. 
and then does the the greatest thing ever that I think I've ever seen Lex Luger do. He just he's a really petty little bitch <laughs> and breaks their trophies yeah. backstage. The trophies that looked so breakable earlier, here they are, just standing at the side of the yeah. ramp. He gets a Don't chair. Don't mind us. He gets a chair and smashes them. Yeah, and and they re- they replay him breaking these trophies. It's quite funny. They replay him breaking these trophies because it is a really petty thing, and it makes you go, "God, Luger's such a putz." It's brilliant. Probably not the thing I'd be focused on as much as they are because there was a pretty vicious beatdown before then. Yeah. But they, they replay these trophies like twice. Well, the three guys are still lying in the ring. They, yeah. they were beaten quite badly. Yeah. Like, Luger used a chair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what he used on the trophies and the people. Yeah. And it's just going, oh, yeah, they, well, that was nasty even breaking those trophies, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, look at the bigger picture here, guys. They're crawling to each other to like comfort each other because they're in so much pain, and you're worried about the trophies. Yeah, the the, the inanimate objects that that are not in a in a big tournament next month. So that's the end of this show. That is the end of Clash of the Champions Nine New York Knockout. Yeah. Yeah. So usual questions then. I'll yeah. Let you go first. So my match of the night. My match of the night. If I'm really honest, I know it should be the main event because it was a better match. But my match for the night is the Steiners versus the Skyscrapers. Because it's just... It, nobody should be able to do that to the Skyscrapers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. We have much love for Scott Steiner here. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ridiculous. But yeah, um, great stuff. And I know what your response will be for match of the night. I was torn. I was really torn because <laughs> uh, uh, I enjoyed the last two matches so much when I was watching it. And I think I'm leaning towards the main event. The main event is a better match. I yeah. just can't get over the fact that it's just like, but, yeah, the guy's six foot six. Like you say, Luger versus Pillman, that's the kind of match I love. And, yeah. and it, they did it so well. But no, main event, and it's all about Funk. Oh, yeah. Funk's the man. Yeah. That whole. If you if, if you took away his entire diatribe during the match, like, don't you worry about your neck. <laughs> if you took away all that, him selling that figure four, like, ah, you're, you're breaking my leg. Like, that's what a worker. So, yeah, he's my MVP. Your MVP? The same. Same funk? Yeah. Excellent. He overshadowed Flair in Flair's, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, they are match of the night MVP. So, that's been Clash of the Champions 9 New York yeah. knockout. We're on to the last show of 89 next and, time. And the next time we see you will be the the last show of 1989, Starcade 89. Future, Future Shock. Future Shock. I couldn't remember the name, Dave. <laughs> oh, God. So, I've been Paul Barrow. I've been Dave Evans. And we'll see you next time.